Duncan, can I just point out, you sent me a copy sure. of this article that was Xeroxed from a book. So I couldn't yeah, yeah, easily yeah. highlight terms and just get a quick uh, definition. If I wanted to look something up, I had to actually type it into my Google search bar, which I think you right, could see right. is an unreasonable impediment <laughs> to my research. <laughs> Welcome to another exciting and enlightening episode of The Comedian and the Philosopher. I am your resident comedian, Mike Leibovitz. And I am your worldly philosopher, Duncan Gale. Yes, worldly and heavenly, I might add. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Duncan, we took a week off last week. Uh, we didn't we take did. a, we didn't, we, we posted something um, from the archives uh, so, yeah, that's right. So some fresh content for our listeners there, but I was unable to uh, meet at our appointed time, and uh, you you came in and you recorded an intro, and you did a great job. So I want to thank you for that. Oh well, it's uh, my pleasure, Mike. And yeah, hey, that's why we why we did those practice episodes so that we got uh, a couple in our back pockets in uh, times of emergency. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I hope people enjoyed our. Uh, very in-depth uh, discussion of um, yeah the uh, police and the electoral college. Yeah, uh, I think it was a good discussion. I think it was a good discussion too, and that was um, definitely the cream from the top of the barrel of our practice episode. So if I miss another week, dear listeners, <laughs> you're screwed because uh, that that was the best that we had in reserve. That was like a that was like that bottle of wine that you open the first night of the apocalypse. I mean, that was a uh, you know, it's downhill from there. Yeah, yeah, no, we kind of overshot it maybe, but uh, hey, you know, That's, glad it's out there. Yeah, but and I think it was good also to um, take a, just take a week away from our, what is turning into our free will decalogue and, um, mm, oh, and yes. uh, examine other <laughs> topics because we're going to be right back into free will today. Uh, although hopefully it'll veer off in some other directions and um, we'll be able to finally stop talking about this. It's really not up to us, but, um, you know. No, it's not. That's, that's what's on the <laughs> vagina for today. Uh, but what, how is your, how have you, how's your, I haven't seen you in two weeks now. What, what's what's oh, yeah. new? Anything, anything? Yeah, there's been actually quite a bit going on with me. Um, probably the most sort of immediately uh, impactful thing that happened in my own personal life is that, um, yeah, last week uh, I got dose one of the Pfizer vaccine. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, it uh, turns out that yeah, one of the uh, one of the colleges that I work for, and you know, and I, I just work for them part time. Um, I was able to get a get a vaccine appointment uh, through them. Uh, yeah, so I got it, and um, yeah, felt um, maybe a little tired uh, the first day uh, and the and the day after, but yeah, otherwise uh, I seem to be okay. Uh, my 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 DNA has been um, irreparably uh, transformed, uh, but uh, I think I'm okay. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just another form of evolution, really, right? If the that's right, you know, uh, that's that's great. I'm happy for you. I actually got my first um, <laughs> my first COVID test yesterday. Oh, I, wow. I've gone this yeah. whole pandemic without ever being tested. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, uh, I, I was really dreading it because of the, um, you know, they, they show you these pictures. They stick that thing so far up there, but it really, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. They just put a, you know, they just put a, a, a Q-tip up my nose, mm-hmm. and a little mm-hmm. bit further than I, I would put a Q-tip up my nose, but not into my brain, and, right, um, right. <clears throat> and uh, I would say the, the, the most. Um, uncomfortable thing about it was for the rest of the day i felt like my nose hairs were pointing the wrong direction yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i feel Mm -hmm. like my your nose hairs are supposed to point outward and they were all kind of pointing in and that that's just it's kind of like you know when the eye doctor used to turn your eyelid inside out you know that kind of just just like no this isn't right it's supposed to be the other way but uh yeah it was fine yeah, just kind of an odd feeling. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, when I've done the tests, I've done the tests um, um, a uh, um, couple of times, and every time I've done it, they, they 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 let me actually do it myself. So it's it's an interesting thing where it's like I'm like sticking it up, and I'm like kind of looking to them like, okay, uh, oh okay, further, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> further, further, oh okay, good, good. <laughs> You're so, trying to you know, tell them, I'm, like, look, this is my nose, and I'm pretty sure that's far enough. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a little, it's a little uh, further up than yeah you would normally do it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, I just always yeah 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 right after I do it, right, right as I as I'm leaving the facility, I find that I have to sneeze. But mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. I never, I you know. I mean, it's just weird to put a Q-tip in your nose. That's not the hole that yeah. I usually put a Q-tip in. Normally, right, in my right. house, the, the Q-tip goes straight up my butthole, and so it's weird to, sure. uh, you know, <clears throat> that's just my own just, my own kink. I'm a cotton baby, but that's hey, uh, that's that's, uh, that's uh, your thing. Hey, you know, it is not for any of us to uh, to judge you for to that. kink shame me. No, not at all. Not yeah, at all. Um, there I must would never be... commit such a such a microaggression. There must it's such a huge microaggression. There there must be uh there must be like people who have like weird nasal fetishes who just like get tested all the time because they love it. <laughs> yeah, like um like um um uh Bill Murray's character in uh, Little Shop of Horrors, you know, he's uh you uh you um, uh, remember that part where yeah, yeah um, Bill Maher, yeah, 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 he plays like the like masochistic guy who who, who goes to see Steve Martin, uh, the the uh, dentist. And, oh yeah, because he loves like, it. Oh yeah, yeah, do it more and like <laughs> and like um, Steve Martin's character is like no no no, 
you actually like this. No, this is this is uh, no fun. Yeah. I guess I'd forgotten about that. But yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that Bill Murray was even in that movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just a, a cameo. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's uh, yeah. What a great film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, you know, sp- yeah. Speaking of films, yeah. I, I mean, the other big thing that that I've been doing these last couple of weeks is. I've been kind of catching up on all of the uh, all of the big movies that have had like Oscar buzz uh, and so forth. Yeah, so I've been I've been watching a lot of movies, and um, yeah, I think uh, as as we're recording this, yeah, the Oscar nominations just came out yesterday, and I think I've I think I've seen about about five of the uh, five of the eight uh, Best Picture nominees. Uh, so. So yeah, and I always, I always try to watch all of the best picture nominees uh, in uh, Oscar season. You know, I know that um, for a lot of people, the Oscars is is kind of a, a silly thing to be obsessed about. But hey, you know, it's just uh, it's my it's my uh, Super Bowl basically. The uh, Oscars, yeah. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I was like the Oscar season for me is um, it's the season. Um, where I have to deal with all of my friends who don't obsess over sports, obsess mm-hmm. over something else that I don't care about at all. Right, right. Um, sure. You know? sure. <laughs> and I think it's it's this weird thing where, like, some people are really into sports. Some people are really yeah. into, you know, movies or pop culture or whatever. Some people are into both. And I'm just coming to terms with the fact that, like, I don't think I like anything. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that I really follow. I don't follow. I can't think of anything. There must be things yeah. that I enjoy, uh, or I wouldn't have made it this long in life. But uh, I just have trouble thinking of what they might be. Well, that's interesting, Mike. Because yeah, I guess you just like you truly are not a nerd at all. Because like you 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 know I because I think that that's like. Um, you know, I remember reading like Chris Hardwick's book on this a little bit where he was just kind of trying to clarify that, you know, being a nerd is not so much about like what you're into, but sort of the way that you're into it. Right. Like that you nerd out on things. Right. Right. And so, you know, you can be a nerd about anything. I mean, you can be a nerd about sports and, you know, yeah, I would argue some people yeah, that are nerds about sports are bigger nerds than I am about about Marvel uh, so so yeah but uh, yeah so you just you just really don't have any any kind of obsessive thing that you're that you're into I guess that's what being cool is just like not giving a fuck yeah yeah well you know you I, know uh, you, you talk you about know. nerds and sports I mean I think it is true that like people who are super into sports and like know all the statistics and all, you know, everyone who's ever won every Super Bowl or whatever. And like, you know, I think it is super fucking nerdy. And yet Mm -hmm. there is this sort of backlash in sports about like the sort of more traditional um, kind of whatever, uh, the more traditional uh, fans or, or particularly like the more traditional sort of management style and, and statistical analysis. Um, and, and they're sort of like upset about sports being taken over by the quote nerds who came in with right. their sabermetric statistics and like were better right. at, you know, figuring out how to put a team together than the people who've been playing and studying it their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's like the sports nerds don't like when like the actual like smart nerds come in and nerd out on what they've been nerding out the whole time because they're better at nerding out than than they are. Right, right. Like the real nerds are better nerds than the sports nerds, and then the sports sure, nerds come sure. in and yeah. Right, right, right. That's funny. Huh. Um, I've been spending a lot of time on TikTok. Uh huh. And it's fascinating. And um, you you spend time on TikTok too, right? I do. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I definitely uh, enjoy it for the uh, most part. Yeah, yeah. yeah my, uh, my 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 uh, my girlfriend sends me a lot of TikTok videos. Yeah, so. yeah. It's interesting because there's a lot of stuff on there that's funny, and mm-hmm. there's like a definite like art form to it. Like it's different mm-hmm. from like Instagram Reels or something like that, and it's definitely different mm-hmm. from YouTube mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like its own yeah. thing, and. Um, I find it very alluring. I also, I think that it's a disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a, like a true, like a true affliction, you know? Right. Like when you, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I'll go on TikTok and an hour later, I'll just realize like, oh shit, it's an hour later. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, like, when you are, when your mind is in that, like, TikTok hole, like, what I just wonder is, like, where does it go? Right, right. Yeah, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I I feel that way, definitely. Yeah, I mean, sometimes on on Facebook, oh yeah, you know, you can you can easily burn burn an hour on Facebook, or just like looking up stuff on Wikipedia or something. Sure. What's What's interesting to me is that you can only do that in a in in in, uh, in uh, my experience. You can only do that when you are in some kind of situation where you really should be doing something else, like like. If if you if I I find that if I genuinely have free time, I I, I, will, I will never do something like that. But like if I need to go to bed, mm-hmm. but instead of instead of going to bed, I I'm like oh, no I, I just I just don't want to do that yet. I want to go on the internet. Then I can just easily burn burn an hour right. doing nothing. Yeah. But if I actually have nothing to do. No, there's 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 no reason that I would do that. Right, right. That's so funny. It's like you would never choose to spend your time that way. You would just um, choose it over some other thing that you would rather not do. Right, so it's right. it's almost exactly. like it's just it's just sort of like the best of the worst options, but it's never the best option. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I burned a lot of time on TikTok when I was supposed to be reading this uh, article on evil and free will. And yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Who made you? Who made you do that? Uh, surely someone who felt free to be evil. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is right. It is a procrastination tool, but it, it also feels like a. It it feels like it changes you. Like it changes right. your mind. Mm-hmm. And there are all these people on there who are like self-styled gurus of one kind or another. And it's like, yeah. it's really like, apropos of what you were just talking about, 
like I saw this one, there's this one dude, I don't know what his name is, but he has this very specific, I could find it, but I won't. He has this very specific <laughs> style where he like reads in kind of a monotone voice, some sort of, uh, I don't know, aphorism he's come up with. And then at the very end, he turns to the camera and looks at you. I mean, there's almost like there's like a hypnotic right. quality to it, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, but I remember one of his videos was he was talking about how we go through most of our lives feeling like there's all these things that we're supposed to be doing. And then we have these to-do lists that we make and we never finish them, right? Mm -hmm. And so every day we've, we feel like we've come up short. Right. And so what he suggested doing was making a much shorter to-do list, like making the list of things you need to do much less than what you actually can accomplish. And mm -hmm. that way, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you've done everything on your list and possibly more. You end up feeling better about yourself rather right. than going through life feeling like you, you are always coming up short. You go through life feeling like you're always going above and beyond. And I've sure. actually been doing that for the past couple of days and it like kind of feels good where I'm just like, oh, wow. like, like all these things I have to do and then I'll realize like, oh, I actually don't have to do any of them. Let me right, just pick right. a couple and do those and sure. then feel great. Um, but then it also feels like it's sort of like, like, am I being, you know, am I being like brainwashed to just like not do anything, you know? Like, is that like what the yeah. app is trying to, trying to convince okay. me to do? Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At first it's, 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 it, uh, sounded like you were being brainwashed by yourself because you were just making a, making a short to-do list. But okay, okay. But it's it's something that ultimately the uh, the app was telling you to do. The app had suggested it to me. Well, yeah. someone on the a creator on the platform had suggested sure, it to me. Sure. It's just this. Yeah, I feel like the thing hypnotizes me and like makes. I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it feels like it's like changing me from who I am, which is weird. Right. Huh. That's interesting. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, to do lists are. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're an interesting thing because, yeah, I mean, they can be a source of anxiety, although I, I, I think that uh, our old friend uh, Jordan Peterson uh, advocates to-do lists because it, it, it ultimately is, is something that will be a source of calm, I think. He, he, he says it's like, you know, he, he, I think his basic... Um, Stances, yeah. Every day, just make a list of the things that you need to do and and do them, and in that way, you won't like have some sort of nagging feeling in the back of your head, like oh oh, is there is there, is there something I'm supposed to be doing right now? No, mm -hmm. you've, you you've you've clarified to yourself what it is you're supposed to do, and so you know if you've done that, then you're you know on track, right? But maybe uh, maybe. Some people have a tendency to put too many things on there and never finish them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just I know I go through my whole life feeling like there's something else I'm supposed to be doing, and it's to the point where like even like I like I don't like vacation. Like I hate going on vacation because yeah. I can't relax. Because when I'm on vacation, I feel like well, I'm not getting any work done right now. And sure. um, yeah. there's all these things that I feel like I should be doing. And yeah, I don't know. Um, right, right. 
So you are a uh, workaholic. Huh? I guess, but I mean, I spend sure spend a lot of time on TikTok. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're a, a comedian, so that is that is your job now. And that's how I justify it to myself. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, well, mm-hmm. I need these are the platforms and the tools that are available to me. But I don't know. I don't spend all that time making videos, but who knows? Um, right. But you're doing research. Yeah. I'm doing research. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm doing research. Just such a weird, just such a weird time. But, um, and I think, you know, we're all going to come out of, eventually this, like, lockdown shit is going to be over. Um, mm-hmm. it, it feels like it's ending, although it's, you know, everyone is pleading with us not to, like, you know, not to act like it's over. But, you know, like, people are getting vaccinated. You got vaccinated. Um, incidentally, if we had all stuck with those sourdough habits that we'd picked up at the beginning of the pandemic, we'd all be eligible for the vaccine by now. Um, oh, yeah? Well, because we'd all um, be obese. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Well, don't tell uh, Tom Papa then. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's all about making his own bread and giving it to everybody he wants. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I was... I was a sourdough uh, aficionado before the pandemic, and I'm, I, oh, yeah? I kept making sourdough through the pandemic, and I, mm-hmm. I haven't in a while, but I should get back on it. I fucking yeah, I, I I've had a culture for about eight years. Um, wow! I even made some sourdough donuts, Duncan, which were excellent. Wow! Yeah, they were. Wow, so that's. Good. Uh... That's quite impressive. Okay, well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't realize that this bread making craze was was such a big thing. But yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I guess you know we all live in these different bubbles. But like, if you were, if your bubble involved the New York Times, then the first several months of your pandemic existence was all about making sourdough, and so many people mm-hmm. were doing it. Um, for the first right. few months and then gave it up because it's a lot of work and you know it actually sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but yeah I don't know I think that I am like technically eligible because I'm fat enough but um, I haven't I haven't like gotten an appointment to get the vaccine but well, you know, I uh, yeah, I think I was able to get an appointment because I'm an educator, uh, even though the the institution that I am working at has no plans to go back to face to face teaching, even even next fall. They've they've decided next fall to continue to be online. But yeah, I was able to. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 very kind of unclear who is able to get the vaccine now like 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 it seems like they're maybe opening it up to people but you still need to have some kind of reason to jump the line but yeah who knows but yeah i don't know i know my my brother's getting it my parents have gotten it everyone's getting it mm-hmm. and we're going to come mm-hmm. out of these bubbles and we're going to go back into the world and we're going to see that's when we're going to see like what from this you know, life that we've been living was like actually like a, you know, a new and permanent or I mean, nothing's permanent, but semi-permanent fixture, a new evolution in our social lives. And what was just like, 
fuck that. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think TikTok is probably here to stay, but I don't know. Are, are we going to waste as, as much time on it as we do now? I mean, I just think our habits are going to be so different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I did have this moment, um, yeah, the other week where I was like, I was like trying to remember back to life before the pandemic, and yeah, and I had this weird experience where like, I had a hard time remembering what it actually felt like. Like, you know, uh-huh. I, I could, I, I could, I, I could like remember doing stuff, but like, I was like, yeah, but like. Yeah, that just seems like a different life now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a different sort of. Um, it's 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 amazing how long we've been we've been doing this, and that it has kind of taken over our our consciousness at this point. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think like major disruptive events like this are sort of what like demarcate different times in history. Like, you know, if you oh, yeah. look at 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 a lot of like you know a lot of people. Um, are lamenting the losses of, um, I mean, obviously a lot of people, but like um, um, institutions like businesses, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, this such and such restaurant has been around for, you know, a hundred years and it went out of business. And you hear all these different stories about about things like that. And that's kind of like these kinds of events are like how that happens, right? right. And, right. and that's why you don't have a restaurant that's been around for 1100 years or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like there is these things that are like ready to be phased out of, you know, of history. And it and it happens in these like short bursts of sort of, you know, these shocks, whether it's, you know, a pandemic or a war or, you know, just some kind of crushing new economic reality. Um, Right, right. you know that's why, like these these tech businesses that are now now like Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon that represent now I think over a fifth of the U.S. economy. These four businesses or whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. like well that's that was like ready to happen. That was like pent up, and right. and it takes these sort of shocks to like make it happen. So um, yeah, we're I don't know we're we're we're. I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm excited to get to it, but it's, it is, you know, it is, I mean, to me, what comes to mind is that idea of like building a following by working through the clubs and comedy. It's just like, oh, if it wasn't clear that that mm-hmm. was fucking over, now it's clear that that right. is fucking over. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, another thing that was kind of already dying, but... I mean, may, maybe it's been exacerbated by the pandemic. Maybe not. I'm, I'm not sure. But um, you know that, like, restaurants like uh, Applebee's and Chili's, you know, re- restaurants like that, like, like they, they were, they, they were really starting to fail uh, because it turns, it turned out that like millennials were really not going to those restaurants that much because like that wasn't like part of their lifestyle. Turns out that this younger generation is not so into overpriced yuppie food. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I can't imagine why. I mean, mm-hmm. but, 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 yeah, 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 no. So, yeah, yeah, because, because it's just like those restaurants are just like not cool <laughs> to people. Right. I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of arguable if they were ever cool, but it's, it's like, well, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever, like, you know, 
passing trend in the 90s there was that 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 like brought about all of these restaurants that wanted to artificially pretend to be your neighborhood restaurant uh-huh. put all this <laughs> put all these crappy tchotchkes up on the, on the walls right. and stuff to, to make it seem like it was this you know authentic thing that it really was not at all uh yeah turns out that's all sort of dying yeah 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 and it took the pandemic (laughs) no it's so funny because like all those restaurants like um chili's and tgi fridays and applebee's and all those places like they instituted this ordering protocol where you order from a tablet at your table Uh uh-huh you know, you like go the menus on a tablet and you select what you want mm. and then they you oh, know, yeah, the waitress right, brings right, right. it to you. And the, <laughs> all the millennials are, are, you know, they just were like, yeah, I can do that from my house. I, I don't need to. Sure. I yeah. can order my phone. I can order from, from the tablet I already have in my pocket. I don't need yeah, to go yeah. to this like bullshit. Uh, yeah, right. Your neighborhood chilies. Right. It's like, right. Right, right. <laughs> Your neighborhood corporate conglomerate. Um, that's right, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's so funny. Uh, speaking of millennials, I think one thing that I think is so funny is during the pandemic that uh, millennials are like having a hard time like feeling old um, because oh, yeah. they're on TikTok, which right, which is you know where all the teenagers were. Uh, oh, sure. You know, it's and so that's like the the Gen Z. Kids are mm-hmm. are making the millennials feel old, but um, right, right. but when this pandemic is over, the millennials are going to be out screwing in bathroom stalls and bars, and Gen mm-hmm. Z is still going to be in their parents' basement on TikTok. So I feel like that's yeah. <laughs> that's going to like yo. We feel we're all oh no, we're all part of this thing, and it's this new generation. But it's like we're all going to realize, yeah, but not yet, not quite yet. Right. Um, right, right. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, It's that's funny. Um, Anyway, um, I want to get into um, this uh, free will and evil article. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. um, this was what we didn't get to. uh, on the last podcast, and I think, um, I, I think it's it's uh, I think it's fun because it'll lead us from a discussion of free will, hopefully to uh, at least broaching the topic of the problem of evil, and then mm-hmm. you know uh, we can get into more um, heavenly realms from there, uh, sure. perhaps. So um, I have to say. It's uh, you sent me this um, this uh, mm-hmm. article to read by Stephen T. Davis. Um, yep. And uh, I have to say that I really didn't understand most of it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, so I, I mean, I find I find it very. Um, he's basically trying to um, reconcile. Um, free will with with evil that's right, right. uh well, yeah yeah so let me just give like a little bit of broad general background here i was uh, hoping you would do that sure yeah so <laughs> thank you so first off I'll, I'll just say that yeah the the article that we're going to discuss yeah so it's it's called free will and evil it's by stephen t davis it's actually from 
from a book called Encountering Evil, uh, in case anybody wants to look that up, uh, which is um, a book of um, sort of essays by, um, yeah, I think four or five different philosophers all dealing with this this general uh, philosophical problem of evil and uh, yes yes Stephen Stephen T Davis he, he, he writes this one article he also he also edits the the volume in general so you know just in case anybody wants to look that up um, yeah and uh, what <laughs> so one other thing I'll say before we actually get into the meat of this article is that um, it's rare that I that, that I'll be able to you know say something like this, but Stephen T. Davis is uh, somebody that I actually know personally. Um, he was actually a professor of mine uh, at my uh, graduate school, uh, and um, and uh, nice guy. Um, and um, so the uh, the way that he uh, approaches the problem of evil is. Um, yeah, he uh, he approaches it from the perspective of somebody who is an uh, analytic uh, philosopher, and so you know, just you know, basic background on that. You know, uh, in the twentieth uh, century, there were kind of two different schools of philosophy that kind of broke off from each other. There were the analytic philosophers, and then there were the continental philosophers. And the analytic philosophers are very kind of uh, all about breaking things down logically and uh, sort of. Uh, believing that the the way to solve any kind of philosophical problem is to just sort of do a careful logical analysis of the language and of the sort of component parts of everything, whereas continental philosophers are much more kind of free form and um, you know and are kind of not afraid to get into emotions and more kind of touchy feely stuff. Uh, but 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 the analytic philosophers are very kind of rigorous and logical about things. Okay, that's okay. Where, that's where, that's where Stephen T. Davis kind of comes from, in terms of his uh, philosophical style. Um, and uh, because yeah, he does he, he does he, break he can, down. Oh, I, I'm mm-hmm, sorry. You, yeah. That was Go ahead. that's that's very useful for me because um, mm-hmm, he has mm-hmm. this. Uh, he talks about the emotional problem of evil as opposed to the logical problem of evil. In right. in the article, and and that's I didn't I didn't realize there was this divide within philosophers, analytic and continental, and the continental people are more emotional. Is that is that right? Yeah, I would I, I would uh, say so. Yeah, that's a that's a I think that's a relatively fair fair characterization. Um, yeah, so you know, I mean, I mean, Stephen T. Davis is good at sort of you know acknowledging things that he's not going to talk about, <laughs> and then just kind of. Brushing them aside, yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, going on to just talk about, yeah, the more kind of logical stuff that he's interested in. Um, so, so there's that, and uh, yeah, and, and and so he's also uh, identifies himself as an evangelical Christian, um, approaching the problem from that perspective uh, as well. And so, you know, uh, yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. So I'll just say that you know. Hey, Having a personal relationship with with uh, Stephen T. Davis, you know, I, uh, yeah, he's he's a uh, very 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 nice guy, a very good professor. But he is also somebody that I could not disagree more with, both in terms of his style and 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 the content of his his kind of uh, beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I I so 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 I I I respect him for being able to 
clearly delineate his his beliefs. But um, I uh, I'm not I'm not on board with it myself. But uh, yeah, uh, so so there's that. Um, but um, okay. One more thing that I think needs to be just kind of clarified is the problem of evil itself, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's that, that's that's an important thing. Uh, so you know, we I mean we we we've talked about uh, free will uh, as a philosophical concept, and so we'll we'll continue to talk about that here. But we're going to talk about it as it relates to the problem of evil. So the problem of evil is uh, one of the kind of classic issues in the philosophy of religion, and. Uh, it basically just boils down to the fact that um, if you uh, if you believe in God uh, in a sort of traditional theistic sense, and uh, you know we can assume that you know whether it's Judaism, Christianity, or Islam, you know those are kind of the three classic monotheistic uh, traditions. Uh, you will run into this problem in in all of these traditions in some way, which is basically that if you believe in God, then there's there's kind of two major um, characteristics of God that you will acknowledge as, as being part of that, which is that God is all-powerful on the one hand, or omnipotent, and also that God is all-good, or omnibenevolent. So, so God is all-powerful and all-good. But then there's a third, uh, a third thing that you also have to acknowledge if you live in the world, which is that evil exists. And so, basically, how can you reconcile those three statements? God is all-powerful, God is all-good, but evil exists. Right. Because if evil exists and God is all-powerful and all-good, well then, on the one hand, he should be able to eradicate evil, and he should certainly want to eradicate all evil. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's the, that's the basic problem of evil, and so... This article we're going to discuss by Stephen Davis is um, using uh, using free will to um, to basically solve that problem of evil. Yeah. Um, so, and um, the the problem of evil, and I will um, I'll probably uh, sound like one of your students when I say this, mm-hmm. but um, it seems to me like <laughs> like another classic example of sort of uh, m- missing the point. Or uh, okay. just yeah. just sort of just the, the problem itself, I think, sort of misses misses the the point or the nature of God, in um, right. <clears throat> in casting it in overly humanistic uh, terms, where you know God God's notion of good and evil must necessarily first of all be the same as human beings' notion of right. good and evil, and also yeah. just that even the application of like logic itself as a, you know is sufficient to understand the mind of god you know the mm-hmm. idea that that we use these logical tools because those are how the you know that's how the human mind works the human problem solving right. mind works but it's it seems almost to me almost arrogant to think that those tools would be capable of comprehending that which lies um, beyond it or above it so that's right, uh, right. I don't know if you ever hear that uh, kind of pushback to the question itself. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, to already very much, you know, tip uh, my own hand here. I, I, I mean, the problem of evil, I think, is um, it's an interesting 
philosophical sort of problem and, and an interesting kind of exercise to, to engage in to sort of deal with it. But, yeah, I mean, if, if, if we want to sort of look at it from a more sort of, you know, I guess continental perspective of, you know, the, the, the more kind of emotional side of it. Yeah, I I personally kind of believe that, yeah, I mean, I don't have a definitive position on it, but I think that, you know, the best place to sort of look to for a kind of real and honest confrontation with the problem of evil is uh, the book of Job. Uh, and I'm not sure that an improvement has been made upon the book of Job from the from the Old Testament uh, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, dealing with the with the problem of evil. And and um, Stephen Davis does does refer to the book of Job. And I, I think just about any self-respecting uh, philosopher of religion that, that is dealing with it is is going to at least uh, re- reference the book of Job because yeah that's that sort of um, yeah, is the is the kind of definitive perspective on sort of what 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 the the kind of problem you're bringing up, Mike, of just like, yeah, what the hell do we as human beings? I, I mean, if we if we actually believe in God, what uh, what sort of right do we have to to cre- to, to to sort of question God uh, in terms of uh, you know our own sort of um, vocabulary of of logical you know, concepts of like fairness, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a a good person and yet this bad stuff happened to me. Why God, why did this happen? And just, um, sort of balancing that with the, the, uh, all too obvious observation of, well, yeah, uh, bad things happen to good people every day. And, uh, (laughs) that's just, that's just a fact of life. And yeah, we can sort of, um, you know, rage against that and, and say that's unfair, but, um, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to get us so far in terms of the sort of brute existential reality of, uh, of human existence. Well, right. I mean, and all, you know, also like, you know, God can be all good and, um, that doesn't mean that you have to be happy. Right. I mean, if, if God is, if if uh, if God is concerned with, if if goodness is about balance or is about right. some sort of greater universal, um, you know, ideal that perhaps we can't even comprehend, then right. you know your suffering might actually be benefiting that greater. Right, right. And and I didn't see you know I didn't see him deal with with that particular aspect. I mean, my mind is often drawn to. The parable of maybe that that Zen parable. Have we talked about that? Mm, no, no. So there's. I'm sure you're familiar, or maybe not. But there's this. Um, you know, uh, the farmer's son goes out into the woods, and he you know goes out riding on his horse, and he comes back with uh, two wild horses, and his mm-hmm. you know the farmer's neighbors all say, "Oh, you're so lucky," and the farmer says, "Maybe," and then the next day the uh, the farmer's son is riding one of the wild horses trying to tame it and he's thrown from the horse and he breaks his arm. And his neighbor, you know, the farmer's neighbors come to him and they say, oh, you're so unlucky. And the farmer says, mm-hmm. maybe. 
And then the next day, the uh, general comes through, conscripting all the young people to go and fight in a war, leaving the uh, son behind because he has a broken arm and he can't fight. And his neighbors come again to the farmer and say, oh, you're so, you're so lucky. And again, he says, maybe. So this idea that, that we can in any instance say, well, this was bad and this was good, it's right, like, right. well, you know, it's, it's taking this very limited perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right, definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a good... Um good parable yeah yeah i mean it, it, it kind of reminds me of yeah like i i remember hearing some story about like yeah yeah there were there were a couple of um major sort of train wrecks of this of this uh metro link uh train here in the in, in the los angeles area um a couple of years ago and there was one guy who who happened to be in both train wrecks, and, and he and he and, and 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 he like survived both of them and and, and was like fine, uh, and and like, you know, people are saying, oh well, he's so he's so lucky, and it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> but. Maybe you know. I mean, is is it lucky to be in two horrible accidents and survive, or is it lucky to not even be in those accidents in the first place? You know? Right. I mean, those sort of <laughs> moments like that make you realize how lucky you were before, and you didn't yeah, even notice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do not get on a yeah. train with Steve. I mean, that's the that's the right. lesson there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. So now that we've already preemptively said that. We don't. We don't really like what uh, Stephen Davis is doing. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I just find yeah, it so yeah, so get... so complicated. Um, so if if yeah, I mean, if you can distill down, I don't see how the free. I don't see how the problem is solved. But if if you can help me understand what he's saying better, I I, that, I would appreciate it. That would be sure. great. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, the basic argument that Davis is um, kind of engaging with here is. Um, yeah, just kind of, kind of a restatement of a pretty classic argument within the within the Christian tradition specifically, which is that, yeah. So you know, if 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 you have this problem of evil, um, yeah. So God is God is perfectly good. Um, yeah, God is all powerful, and yet evil exists. Well, how do we explain that? Well, the easy explanation is uh, evil exists because human beings have free will. And um, God gave human beings free will, and um, and this and, is because and, and, this is because mm-hmm. it's the good that is produced by choice is somehow better than the good if it had just been preordained, right? Right. So you know, basically, you could imagine a scenario in which God created um, human beings. And, and he created uh, human beings that were morally perfect such that they would never, never do anything other than the good. But what, what uh, Stephen Davis is saying here is basically that that would not be as good as a situation in which God made beings that, that could either do good or evil, but that freely chose to do the good rather than beings that were somehow compelled by God to do the good. And so so basically the the, the free choice of good by human beings is better than um, than a 
sort of pre-programmed compelled choice yeah Yeah. now uh right and so that in in order to uh give people the this this free will you also necessarily have to introduce the option that they would be evil because if they if they can't now the question is can you could you have a system where they were freely where they were free to choose to do good and yet they always did right right yeah and so i think um i think at one point yeah yeah davis considers that sort of uh scenario in which yeah god creates beings that that just so happen to always choose the good but that but they conceivably could choose choose evil and he basically says that that that's that that's a that's an incoherent sort of scenario i mean it, it it's 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 something that sort of yeah you can you can say that uh you, you can kind of um you know put, put put those words together but 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 that doesn't actually make logical sense um yeah i mean that's sort of like what we talked about i don't remember if it was last time but we're like you could create a scenario where like i implant a chip in your brain and you go into the voting booth and as long as you choose to vote for the candidate that i want you to to um choose then you know then you can freely do that but if you were to freely choose the other candidate then the chip would compel you to um to vote Again, for my preferred candidate. So it's like you're free right. to choose and what, you know, as long as you choose the right way. That's sort of the same, that's the same predicament. Right. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a scenario, f- yeah, from, uh, from um, um, Harry Frankfurt, yeah, yeah, that kind of is trying to argue for the, for the compatibilist view of free will, that, yeah, the free will is, is compatible with, with determinism, yeah. And so, yeah, and that that plays out here in some ways, yeah. So, um, yeah, another um, another sort of um, issue in the problem of evil that that is um, at least talked about a little bit in this article is the issue of issue of possible worlds, right? So, you know, um, yeah, right. there was a uh, there, there there was a philosopher uh, Leibniz. Um, yeah, back in the seventeenth uh, century. Uh, yeah, who? Uh, yeah, uh, this 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 whole uh, discussion of uh, the problem of evil. Yeah, yeah. There's a specific sort of um, term for it within philosophy called theodicy. And, okay, and, I kept and, seeing that word and wondering what it yeah, meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Theodicy. Yeah, I mean, comes from comes from the word. Theo, which is God, of course, and then uh, the word DK, which means justice, and so and so. Basically, a, a theodicy is some sort of philosophical explanation for why God allows evil to exist. So, so, so yeah. Basically, basically, a, a theodicy is going to be some sort of vindication of God's justice, and so this term was coined by the philosopher Leibniz, and uh, and his um, his sort of famous or infamous. Um, argument is that we actually live in the best of all possible worlds um, because if God is perfectly good and powerful uh, then then the world that we live in must be the best of all possible worlds so 
you know, obviously you can take issue with that and say, well, there's a lot of really crappy things that exist in this world. Uh, and Leibniz's uh, counter to that is basically, well, yes, okay, you know, you, you, you are looking from, you, you, you are looking at the perspective from, from the, the, the world from, from your own very limited perspective. But if you're able to actually zoom out and look at the entire world from from God's eye perspective, you'll you'll be able to you, you would be able to see that the world could not be any better than than it actually is uh, if, if if God truly is you know a, a perfectly good being, which which you know we have to believe if we're you know a, a, a Christian, right? Right. Um, so so that's um, so that's basically you know the kind of classic uh perspective on the problem of evil and uh and, and so stephen davis kind of makes reference to that and he makes reference to yeah this other um this other argument by by another prominent um contemporary um philosopher of religion alvin plantinga uh who talks about oh how, i was wondering who that was too yeah 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 I mean, he's, duncan like, can yeah, i just point out you sent me a copy sure. of this article that was xeroxed from a book so I couldn't yeah, yeah, easily yeah. highlight terms and just get a quick uh, definition. If I wanted to look something up, I had to actually type it into my Google search bar, which I think you right, could see right. is an unreasonable impediment <laughs> to my research. Yeah, no, I, uh, I understand. I understand why you were uh, severely limited in your... Uh, Professor Gale's a real slave driver, I'll tell you what. <laughs> he wants me to type the words I don't know into the Google search bar? <laughs> Do not take his class. Yeah, I'm a real, I'm a real taskmaster. Uh, um, that's the more politically correct way of saying that. <laughs> what did I say? Slave driver? Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> but so, um, yeah, and and, and 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 so this other philosopher uh, planting a. Yeah, so 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 he has this really interesting kind of argument about about possible worlds, and basically about how, you know, so could could, could God have created a, a a better world than 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 the world that we actually live in? And so you know, basically, some people would say, well, yes, obviously, obviously he uh, he uh, could have. You you know, there, there there could be certain possible worlds that that are better than the world that we live in, but. But planting it basically introduces this um, interesting concept of trans-world depravity. Uh, it's a it's a really really interesting phrase where it's basically, which is basically sort of the possibility that no matter what world God created, that there would be evil in it uh, because of because of the free choice of human beings, mm-hmm. um, and so and so that's. And, and, and so all of that is basically just, you know, this whole sort of argument is, you know, I, I mean, this is maybe a glib way to put it, but um, this is all kind of to get God off the hook, ultimately, for evil. Uh-huh. You know, to, to place the blame for evil on human beings, uh, which God created, and which, you know, if, if uh, human beings were, you, you know, tr- truly knew what was best for them, they would they would always do the right thing, but... We always we always go wrong, and so that's why evil exists. So it's not it's not it's not God's fault. It's right, right, it's right. human beings' fault ultimately. And 
it, and it could just be the case that no matter what, no matter what world God created, if if if, if He created human beings that had free will, we would always do evil things. So, right. That's basically the solution to the problem of evil. Uh, uh, so, it sort of feels like um, an argument that is constructed from the result backwards. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Sure. So we want to we want to believe that uh, God is uh, is all powerful and all good, and we yep. also want to believe that we have free will. Yep. Um, but the you know, but it seems sort of very unscientific to start with the results and then work out the process that uh, achieves those results. Yes. Uh, it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is unscientific in uh, in that sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could you could defend it by saying, well, you know, we are we are human beings trying to fathom God, and we'll never really be able to do that. Uh, but right. you know, we can we we can use our limited ex- experience to to at least try to do that. And so and so and so I mean I mean you could say, well, yeah. Uh, if 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 you're a human being trying to figure out God, you you're always working backwards, you know, because because you can't. Um, so yeah, yeah. I guess it's it's just it's so. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like I always say these things, but it just seems like in order for this argument to be at all persuasive, first of all, you have to accept that the problem of evil is a problem. Which, okay. to me, yeah, has sure. never really seemed like a problem. Right. Um, and yeah, then, I, I, so, 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 it, so, it's never seemed like a problem to you, a good Bible-believing Christian. Well, okay, right, right. I mean, I think <laughs> the problem of evil is that you believe in the Bible. That's the problem of evil. Right, right. You know, sure, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you also <laughs> have to accept that free will exists, which right. I think is far from clear. Um, and. Yeah. I, uh, I actually, the most recent uh, Sam Harris episode was mm-hmm. was him. I don't know if you listened to it or not. I didn't. No. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it and I thought, oh, I should listen to that before our next episode, but I didn't. Well, I listened to it for us, so that's okay. <laughs> good, he good. he tries to summarize um, all of his basically all of his uh, positions on, on free will into a single episode, and it's it's mm-hmm. fairly long and in-depth. But basically, what I took away from it, and I don't think he actually puts it in these terms, but, you know, Sam Harris is a, is a, um, is a lifelong meditator. And yep. um, it seems to me that the illusion of free will comes from the fact that we think we are that we are identified with our thoughts and we yeah. think that which thinks the thoughts is who we are. Right. right, right. Whereas somebody who is experienced with, um, with meditation, um, will, I mean, the whole practice is about, um, observing your thoughts and mm-hmm. being the conscious space in which the thoughts arise, in which right. all sensation arises. Right. Yep. And you are so you you enter, I guess you call it a non-dual state where right. um, it's not m- 
these are my thoughts and here is the world. It's just this is the field of consciousness and literally everything appears within it. So mm -hmm. the, um, the illusion of free will comes from you have a thought, which is a choice is a thought, right? I choose to do right. this. That's a thought. And so you think, well, right. I'm free to make that choice. Um, but mm -hmm. that is not really you. That is, you are this field of consciousness, and that mm -hmm. thought is something which just appears in that field of consciousness. And you actually, right. you, that field of consciousness, uh, have no agency over what appears within it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you'll see if you watch your thoughts that that is what happens. They come. Another right. one comes. Another one comes. Of course, they respond. They react to stimuli around them. But mm -hmm. um, to me, I think that's, that's the fundamental illusion of free will is that we think we are the thinker, the active thinker of these thoughts, when in reality, we are the conscious space in which they arise. Right, right. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's, uh, there's a lot of merit to that, um, to that sort of way to way of uh, looking at things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, that's, that's one way of looking at the at the uh, issue of free will, but another is just, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what 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 we're looking at in the context of this this argument is more just, yeah. Why why do people choose to do one thing rather than another thing? You know, and that's, um, I, I, I mean, that's that, that that's certainly related to what you're what you're talking about. But yeah, it's like, you know. Could you have done otherwise? And I mean, and and there's like a lot of interesting things about like there's there, there's an interesting example that yeah that some free will uh, defenders will uh, well yeah yeah not necessarily defenders but just people talking about it will we'll talk about it or FWDs uh, as uh, as he would call them in the article. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, yeah, just a, just just a sidebar. That that's another uh, thing that yeah Stephen Davis does that a lot of analytic philosophers do that yeah I'm not a big fan of us. Yeah, they will they will introduce all of these abbreviations and numbered propositions and and it's fucking continue. infuriating because <laughs> you're yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's like well if eight is true then it surely we can see how it contradicts six and you're like what right. the fuck are you even talking about definitely. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. One more sidebar here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, yeah, yeah. So I took an entire class on the problem of evil with with Stephen Davis, right? And um, yeah, and we read um, we read that that sort of uh, argument by Alvin Plantinga that he refers to. And I, I remember, yeah, in that in that um, in that book by, by by Plantinga in which in which that argument occurs, I, I remember looking at certain pages in that book. And if if you just looked at those pages, they would be indistinguishable from like a, a like math textbook or like a, like like a, like like like, a, like um, um, computer science textbook or something. It was just mostly symbols uh, mm -hmm. at times. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so yeah, that's that's the kind of philosophy that yeah, I'm I'm not so into, uh, but. It's very prominent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not one of these egghead uh, philosophers. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, 
So, yeah, um, one more thing that I think is worth kind of hitting upon in this um, in this argument is the issue of so so yeah uh, you know we can we can solve the free the the the, the uh, problem of evil oh, oh boy I've uh, I've uh, kind of gotten lost here but yeah yeah so what I was uh, go, go, going to bring up um, beforehand was yeah there's this um, story about Martin Luther uh, dur during the Reformation when he, um, you know, had his own views of things and then he was brought before um, the, uh, the the Council of Worms, I think it was, uh, to to kind of uh, recant uh, what, what he said. And, um, and Martin Luther basically said, I cannot do otherwise. I, 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 I cannot do otherwise than I've done. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to go back on the, on the beliefs that I've stated. And, um, and a lot of people who talk about free will bring that up as an interesting example of, yeah, Martin Luther said, I cannot do otherwise, but he was not, he was not denying his free will there. And in, in, in a way he was kind of like doubling down, uh, and saying, no, I, 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 I have to do this, like, like, like he wasn't trying to escape responsibility by saying I cannot do otherwise. He was, he was actually trying to uh, double down on his responsibility. So that's that's another kind of interesting example so, of how. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't saying I am unable to do otherwise. He was saying I am, I I, uh, I am unwilling to to. Uh, um, to uh, it would be morally wrong for me to do otherwise. Right. Yeah. You know, my conscience does not allow me to do otherwise. Yeah. Which, which seems like it's something you're compelled to, but it's it's also you know can be seen as a as a great act of courage that you are freely choosing. Right. Right. But it sounds like he was saying that he was unable to, either because of his conscience or because he's. You know he can't believe something that he doesn't believe because he doesn't. It sounds like right. a like a like he's denying his freedom in that instance. Right. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And, but the free will defenders, the F, the FWDs, point to that as some kind of. I don't know. <laughs> this is all very confusing. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I mean, I think I think that's pointed to as a way of highlighting that, you know, there are certain ways that we use language that are, you, you know, that like the, the, the literal meaning is not, it's not the same as, you know, there, there's, there, there's a deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We have a word for that even. Yeah. It's called irony. Sure. Yeah. But, um, I don't think that, I don't think that's an example of irony. Well, irony would be when the literal meaning is, um, sort of the opposite of the intended meaning, right? Yeah, I think that's. I think that that can sometimes happen in in, in irony. Um, well, I mean, you couldn't. You wouldn't call that a type of theological irony, where the the words that you are using, um, the literal definition is is uh, 
is different from the uh, actual deeper meaning, some sort of spiritual irony. Yeah, I mean, I guess, um, I guess irony does have to have some sort of um, humorous intention behind it. Ultimately, no, um, I, 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 I think, don't think that that's and, true. I mean, like dramatic irony uh-huh. is simply when, um, like, something happens in the in the action, and. Like, you know something that the character doesn't know. So the, right. that's not necessarily humorous. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I mean, dramatic irony is, is, is a slightly different case. But, I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, in the case of Martin Luther, I don't think he was trying to be funny. No, no. When, when, <laughs> no, when, I, when, when he said, I cannot do otherwise, you, you know, wink, wink. Uh, so, 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 so I, I mean, that's just why I'm... I, I'm, I'm saying I don't think that's an example of, of irony per se, but but yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I don't think that, that irony is limited to humor. I, I think that no, 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 I, I don't either. And, and, and I mean, and there's I mean, there's cases like, yeah, I, I mean, it happens all the times in like the in like the Greek tragedies where. But I, I, I would say even there, sometimes there's a kind of humorous undertone um, even if it's not fully intended, like like in uh, in uh, Oedipus Rex, like there there's a part where he he uh, he's determined to find the murderer of the of the previous king, and he says, I, "I will I will search out the murderer. I will search out the murderer of this previous king, as if I were looking for the murderer of my own father." And you know, of course, he is the murderer of his you, own father. You, you, you know, I, I, I mean, probably gets a little chuckle from the crowd. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, and, and you could argue that Sophocles is, is maybe even trying to be a little funny there, you know, with that. But yeah, um, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> so well, okay. So what do you think about what do you think about all of this? I mean, how do you square like within your own personal life? How do you square right. the problem of evil and free will with your own conception of of yourself and of of God, right? Well, yeah. So I'll I will um, address that by kind of you know uh, in 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 I'll, I'll uh, kind of end off our discussion of uh, Davis's article here. Um, one of the last things that he addresses is um, the issue of how. Um, Human beings have free will, and and, and so they, they they can choose to do good or evil. And so basically, it's better to have uh, beings that, that will that will freely choose the good, but but that that can do the evil. And ultimately, God, because He is all powerful, is able to use the evil that human beings do to a greater purpose of goodness. Right. Ultimately. Right. And that's that's sort of like um, uh, like uh, the um, like the maybe parable. Um, right. Or, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, if you were to look at, uh, say, the horrors of the Holocaust, then resulting in the Jews being returned to the, their homeland in Palestine. Right. Uh, right. Or even a broader spiritual awakening on planet Earth as a result of the horrors of the war, et cetera, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, um, so you know, that's 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 an interesting, you know, sort of sort of solution. That well, yeah, you know, we li- we live in a world with a lot of evil, but 
God is able to ultimately use all of that evil to a greater uh, purpose of good. And so, um, so I think that that kind of leads into um, the issue of this free will defense. I think that, you know, it, it does an adequate job of solving the problem of evil the way that the way that the problem of evil has been set up uh but the problem is that um it's a it's a solution that explains why evil exists but it doesn't necessarily explain why so much evil exists why 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 the specific amount of evil <laughs> that exists in the world uh d- does exist because you know you can always run into the problem of Okay, well, you've explained why evil exists, but why this much evil? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, doesn't he sort of mm-hmm. sort of say like that it was um, that it was the least amount of of evil, or no? Yeah, no, no, and, and yeah, I mean, he 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 does definitely address that. Uh, yeah, and he says he says that that's that's always a problem that. Um, that, that a free will defense is going to run into. Um, and yeah, and I, as, as far as I recall, he just sort of ultimately says, well, yes, this, the, the, the amount of evil that exists in the world as we know it is, is the least amount that, that there could be. Um, b- b- because that's, because that's basically the sort of conclusion he has to, um, come to. Um, right. But it seems like it's based on like, it goes back to what he says about like the emotional, uh, like there's this, there's the, the logical problem of evil and the, um, or the LPE or the emotional problem of evil, the like EPE. EPE. And the, the logical problem of evil is sort of the one we've been talking about, but the EPE is essentially like, yeah, I just can't believe that. Right. As right. he dresses. Right, right, like, right. It's like, it's like, yeah, I know what you're saying, but like, I get that you believe in this, but like, I just can't believe in that. Um, and mm-hmm. it seems like he he's basing his whole argument on the like emotional um, you know he's basically just saying like I believe in God I have to believe in God so right. I have to believe that this is the least possible evil that there could be right right which doesn't seem uh, super logically sound to me but I guess it's emotionally sound well um yeah, yeah, let me read um, an excerpt. Yeah, this is from page 82 of the article, um, about halfway through, uh, through, through that page. Um, yeah, so um, he says, yeah, yeah, why didn't God create a world of less freedom and thus less murder? Why didn't God place us in an environment that provides fewer opportunities or temptations to do wrong? Why didn't God provide us with a morally stronger psychological endowment why didn't god create us with an ability with with an inability to kill other human beings and so those are the questions he poses so now he's going to kind of uh give an answer to that so so what he says is christians believe that we are now living in an interim time the time between the incarnation of christ in the first century and his return at the end of history we hold that in christ's death and resurrection our redemption was accomplished and all the forces that oppose god's rules forces like sin, suffering, death, the devil, hatred, injustice, racism, etc., were decisively defeated. Yet, 
Like the Nazis in the 10 months subsequent to the Allied success in Normandy in 1944, those forces fight on. They are still present in the world. Their final defeat will only occur when Christ returns. So we live in a time when evil is rampant and we wait for our final redemption. Okay, so. There it is. Basically, um, yeah, things are really bad right now, but they'll eventually be better. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's basically his kind of um, perspective as a, as a uh, Christian. Um, and, um, yeah, so... You know, if you're not if if you're not a Christian, and you know, I would argue, if you are not a Christian of the particular kind that he is, uh, yeah, that's that that that's probably going to ring a little a little hollow as a um, as a solution. And yet, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I mean, if 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 it's true, then it's then it's true. You know, even if even if the the emotional problem of evil, you know, exists, uh, you, you know, continues to exist. So, right. So so I mean, you know, the problem has been solved, even if it's even if it hasn't necessarily been solved in a way that's going to, you know, comfort people right now. Yeah, but and it also like the the basis for that is this is the Bible. Right, um, which is sort of unfalsifiable. So, right. So, mm-hmm. y- usually you would say, well, the burden of proof falls on the person making the unfalsifiable claim. Like, so right, right. you know, it could be right. Any of these things could be right. I mean, mm-hmm. there could be a bloodthirsty cabal of pedophiles running the government. That could be true. Right, it's just right. the, the burden mm-hmm. of proof is on the people making these outrageous claims. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But do you, so yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I was. Just, you, I mean, you, do you you consider yourself a Christian, right? Um, only in a very loose sense, I would say. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that I. Yeah, you know, I was I was raised Christian. Um, I never formally renounced it, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that a lot of other people who do consider them Christians would consider me to be a Christian. Uh, uh-huh. But you know, I'm the same way with but, the Jews. But, but, a lot of people right. who uh, actual Jews don't consider me Jewish, but everyone else right, does. Right. So you know, sure. where does that leave me? Yeah. So, but but you know, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, I I, I don't I believe that we should not we should not define our religious identity. In that sense, in in terms of what other people would 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 think about us, um, but um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, I uh, o- only in a very loose sense would I would I consider myself a, a, a Christian. Um, but um, in terms of yeah, how I feel about this this solution in general, yeah, no, I I um, I, I definitely stick with uh you know the the perspective of the of the book of job of just you know it's um it's uh unexplainable and in a way it's almost sort of distasteful to even try to explain it 
Um, it's arrogant, right? It's arrogant. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I've always yeah, yeah. felt about all of this stuff. Is it's just so fucking arrogant that you think that you you should be able to like logically work out the workings of the mind of God. And it's because right, right. you know it's like, well, God created us in His image. So then, well, so if we're created in His image, then He just must be just like a big dude. And he's like us. No, no, you're creating him in your image. And I've always thought that that, that this is what I believe. Mm-hmm. And I have no evidence for it whatsoever. But that's not good. That's never stopped me before. And it, damn it, this is my podcast. It's not going to stop me now. I think that that right. I think that that um, passage from the Bible that God created mm-hmm. man in his image has been right. drastically misinterpreted and what what yeah. i believe it means i believe mm-hmm. it doesn't mean image it means um it, I, I believe the word image means um imagination it means mm. vision mm-hmm. it means yeah, yeah. uh god created us in this space right and that space the imagination which i believe was just translated as image. That's the same place that we go to to create. And we were created from that space. And I, this is just my own personal theology. I have, like I said, mm-hmm. I have nothing to back it up whatsoever. And I'm sure some linguist will come out and tell me that I've got it all wrong, but I don't care. This is, this is sure. just how I view it. God created us in his imagination. We create in our imagination. And in, in that way, we're going to, every time we create, we are going to this divine realm. And yeah. everything that we create was first imagined. We were created, we were first imagined. And I view the imagination as like an almost a literal place uh, or a realm or a dimension, which is mm-hmm. not necessarily subject to the physical laws of our universe or the logical rules of our discourse. So I think that if I am right and I will never accept that I am not, then um, this this uh, solves a lot of the problems without so many abbreviations and numbers. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. And I mean, one more thing that I'll just, you know, try and say to to sort of stick up for Stephen Davis, because he's not here to defend himself, is that I think that he would he would agree with that general sentiment of of it being distasteful to kind of you know explain evil and um yeah and i i, I mean that was something that i i remember from taking his class i i, I mean i think i think he kind of you know grappled with you know on the one hand as a philosopher he wants to sort of give a general sort of defense and explanation of why evil exists but in terms of actually trying to explain why the specific amount of evil um, that that we experience does exist in the world. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that he, he he doesn't think there there is any way to kind of philosophically do that. So so it's this it's a kind of relatively modest um, endeavor that he's trying to engage in, which is just to say that those three propositions: God is all powerful, God is all good, and evil exists. Those are all able to be reconciled with each other, but. Anything beyond that, you know, is uh, maybe gets into, you know, more more problematic territory. 
Yeah. Well, and I would like to say something to stick up um, for Stephen Davis also. Um, sure. Because he's not here to stick up for himself. And I, and I just want to make clear that whatever problems I have with his article mm-hmm. are not necessarily problems with his logical reasoning and more just a result of the whole time I had no idea what the fuck he was talking about. So <laughs> I just want to be clear about that. It's not so much that I disagree with the argument as that I was uh, unable to follow it. Right, right. Well... Yeah, yeah, and I think that, yeah, for, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, this was this was maybe sort of an oversight on my part because you know I think that if you're within the realm of you know reading a lot of this kind of academic philosophy stuff, I think within that context, Stephen Davis's article is pretty clear and and straightforward, but. <laughs> if, but, 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 but if you're coming at it from somebody who, who, who does not routinely read academic stuff, yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, pretty difficult. But, you know, I, what, what, what I'll say is that, you know, the one thing that I do like about, acad- about um, 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 analytic philosophy uh, that, that I think Stephen Davis um, exemplifies is that analytic philosophers generally are better than continental philosophers at making their writing and and articles no more difficult than they have to be and so i think i think this article is as as difficult as and as complex as it needs to be but no 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 more so no yeah, yeah no, no and i'm so i i'm yeah. being i'm exaggerating for humorous effect sure. i i was able to follow it it, it was just sure. it was just um it was denser than my typical reading and uh sure i just got this i just got this image (laughs) as you were saying that you know like well (laughs) this text is uh if you're if you're used to reading academic philosophy is fairly straightforward i just imagined um you know you presenting me a a book uh written in russian and (laughs) me reading through it and being like i can't get any of this and you're being like this is a children's book Right, right. This right. is oh, sorry, that was a German accent. <laughs> this is children's book. We give it to dog. Dog has no problem with this. That's right. That's right. <laughs> In Russia, we give this book to dog. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, um, yeah. What, what, one other thing I would like to kind of just highlight about this article. Th- I, I mean, this is really. I mean, it's 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 related to the main argument, but it's it's also a bit tangential as well. Um, is uh, yeah, and then this is on page eighty-seven in the article. Um, Stephen Davis gives what is to me a, a, a genuinely fascinating um, explanation of what he thinks hell is, and. I'm not sure to what extent, and I mean, actually, actually I, I should probably just email him at some point. Uh, yeah, we should this. get him on the podcast uh, is what we should do. Yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be interesting. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure to what extent this is, this is something that he's, he came up with on his own or if he's, if he's drawing from some source that he doesn't um, identify here, but, um, or, or it's, I mean, maybe it's just some really obvious Christian source that, that that I don't know, but um, yeah, on page on page eighty seven, um, 
Yeah, in the uh, in the second full paragraph there, he he gives this really interesting explanation of what he thinks hell is, and um, and I'll I'll just read from a little bit of it here. Um, yeah, so what he says is, I do believe that hell exists, but I do not hold that it is a place where protesting people are led against their will to be tortured vengefully. I believe that the people who will end up separated from God freely choose hell and would be unhappy in God's presence. Having lived their lives apart from God, they will choose eternally to go on doing so. So it is not a bad thing that they do not spend eternity in the presence of God. People who will prove to be incorrigibly evil will never come to the point of desiring the beatific vision. Furthermore, I do not believe that hell is a place of torture. Biblical metaphors that seem to some to suggest so point, I believe, to the deep regret the citizens of hell will feel that they are not able to live in the presence of God, the source of all life, light, and love. Though they freely choose hell and could not be happy in paradise, I believe they will clearly understand what they have chosen to miss. So, I just wanted to highlight that, first off, just because I think it's just kind of an, an, an inherently fascinating and interesting idea, but also to kind of highlight that, you know, I mean, what you asked me earlier, Mike, about whether or not I, I consider myself to be a Christian, I mean, to me, this is this is really the single biggest stumbling block, to use a, use a biblical phrase, uh, for me for me to really kind of accept Christianity uh, is uh, the concept of hell. Um, and, um, you know, as much as I may disagree with kind of the specifics of Stephen Davis's um, theological um, commitments and, and his philosophical style, he does present a picture of hell that, you know, if 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 that is what what hell is, um, you know, I can I can definitely get on board with that a lot more than you know the more sort of traditional. Yeah, yeah, of. yeah. The Stephen Davis version of hell seems to have a lot more cocaine and unprotected sex than Dante's. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I dig that. I dig that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's a good place to leave things, Duncan. Um, sure. I uh, I just want to make a plug here. If you want, um, if you want a religion with all the impenetrable Iron Age um, texts of uh, of Christianity, but without hell, let me suggest Judaism to you. Mm. Um, yeah. And I'll just uh, I'll just leave it there. Beautiful. Um, all right, man. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, I'll see you next week. All right. See you next week.